<laughs> and I remember he sent it to me at 10.15 at night on Thursday. And I responded back at 10.17 at night on Thursday. And all I said was, I just refunded your full $8,000. Eat a dick, Jordan. Welcome to Trauma to Triumph, where our goal is to empower, inspire, and give you the means to stand up, take control of your life while embracing your inner badass. I am thrilled you are here and wanting to be a part of this journey. In our fifth episode, I am pumped to introduce to you my next guest, Kyrie Oliver. It's kind of crazy how I met Kyrie. Surprise, surprise, it was on Facebook. It takes a bit to catch my eye, but Kyrie is pretty hard to fucking miss. Between his crazy say it like it is posts and being super comfortable being authentic and real, he calls himself a bearcorn. And rightfully so. At something ridiculous like six foot seven, Kyrie is a big teddy bear with strong boundaries that make him a cross between a bear and a unicorn. Kyrie is all of 24 years old. His physical age, and the age of his soul are no match. He's an extremely successful social media marketer, but more importantly, he's a young and up and coming leader. And I don't say these things lightly. The guy is wise beyond his years and is an exemplary model of masculine energy and freaking phenomenal healthy boundaries. In this episode, we are going to explore masculine and feminine energy. What, why, and how with healthy boundaries Yes, people, we are going to learn how to say no and how to continue to say no in a way that you can be proud of. Let's get started. So I'm excited to have you on again today. There's so many things that I want to talk about. Um, and I was actually so excited. I was like thinking, oh, okay, we're going to like talk yesterday. And then I'm like, oh man, we don't get to record yesterday. But it was like super confusion on my part. Um, what I am super excited about talking to you about today is a few different things. The first one that comes to mind, well, it, it's all going to be around dating, family, and kind of like that general arena. Because I think, you know... One, you're a big, strong black man, right? Brown man. And brown man. Brown man, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the brown term has just come out recently. I know. My friends still make fun of me about it. Everybody makes fun of me about it. I've had like hour and a half long conversations with another biracial friend about it. About, he's like, you're, but you're black. But I'm like, but I'm, I'm not. The, my skin is light. Like, I get, I understand to the rest of the world, because his whole thing was like, well, if, you know, 10 clan members walked into a bar, you're black to them. I'm like, yes, but I get it. But let me not base my worldview off of 10 clan members. That's <laughs> Wait, why but, would you want to do that? And it was funny, like, after I did my heritage, I, re- I found out I'm 57% white. So I, w- I would always tell him that. I'm like, look, if we're going off percentages, if you're making me pick white or black, one or the other, if we're going off percentages, you have to call me white now. See how that doesn't make much sense? But let's be honest and just say I'm biracial, I'm brown. And so, yeah, it's important to me. Also, I I think I read, I think it was Jamie Foxx was talking about his daughter because his daughter's of mixed race. Mm -hmm. And he does the same thing. He's like, I won't allow people to call my daughter black because he feels like it kind of discredits the other side of her. Oh. I don't know if, I don't know if mine's that deep, but it's just like, that's who I am. I am of mixed race. I am biracial. So I just go by that. I'm a brown person. So it's interesting that you say brown though, because I feel like brown like even applies to me, right? Yeah, everybody. Right. But it's, I I saw one of my buddies and he's a kickboxer too. And he was like, oh, you know, brown people. I'm like, oh, are we really considered brown people? I'm like, huh, we're not yellow people anymore. Like. (laughs) Come up in the world. Right. But it, it, again, going back to black, brown, you know, however it is that we identify ourselves, it's just interesting to see how these words have evolved, right? Like you're no longer black, you're brown. And for me, I I think I remember like being in college once and I had a brother that like told me I was yellow people. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I've never really heard of that before. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll roll with that. Um, But going back to what I wanted to talk about, there's this thing that I uh, posted on one of your Facebook posts. And I didn't understand it. And I remember reading it and I was like, wow, that's amazing. So 
again, going back to, I love the fact that you're 24, right? 24, yeah. So super young, um, but really bright and grounded. And what I mean by that is that there was a post, and this is going to be really vulgar, but we obviously swear on this podcast, so it's not a big deal, but it was eat a dick Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember everybody's like, oh, that's never going to go away. And I, I had to like post something recently. I was like, what does eat a dick Jordan mean? Like, am I missing something? Cause, and I was like, I don't know what YOLO means. And I'm like trying to figure out like, I, I mean, obviously I figured it out. Right. I'm like, what's Bay? Like, what's all these things? I feel like an old lady. Cause I'm like, I don't get this shit. And so I was like, can somebody fill me in on what eat a dick Jordan means? <laughs> and so if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, because there's like an amazing story that goes with this, and I just love this. Yeah. So I, I wasn't going to post that post where Eat a Dig Jordan came from until a friend of mine, he kind of challenged me with it because he's like, you're, you're about truth and honesty in business, in life. Like it's very integrity based. And so he's like, this kind of shows taking morals and ethics over money. And so he's like, I think it's important to show. So I actually ended up posting it um, where my girlfriend was, in, she was hospitalized at the end of August. Um, and she was in the hospital for about five days, like in intensive care. And I had to obviously stay with her. Like it was my first time. It was actually really scary. It was my first time being responsible for somebody who's in the hospital. I visited people in the hospital before, but I've never been the one who has to like sleep on that lumpy ass couch in the hospital room. And only sleep for 15 minute increments because you're worried something's going to happen. So you keep waking up, like having to take them to the bathroom, having to do all that. So it was a scary experience. So I emailed all of my clients and I just said, hey, look, I'm going to do as much work as I can while I'm here. I explained to them what had happened. I'm really open with my personal life with my clients. Um, I, they know me on a personal level as well as business. And so I explained to them what had happened. And I just said, hey, look, I can't take on any calls over the next few days. I think this is like Thursday or Friday. I said, I don't think I can take on any calls until about Monday or Tuesday. Um, but, you know, I'll do as much work as I can. I can correspond with you guys over email or Facebook Messenger. You know, let me be there as much as I can. Some of my clients had even emailed me back and said, don't even do like the regular work. Leave us alone like, and go focus on your girlfriend. I had one client who had just signed up for me. He bought an $8,000 like consulting package from me. And he had emailed me back and he had said something to the effect of, I understand you're going through personal problems. I got that email, but business is business. And I, and you need to stick to the call that we had. We had the call like Friday afternoon. And I'd said, this is just like beforehand. I was like, Hey, you know, I know we have our onboarding call. It's just an onboarding call. Let's move it to Monday or Tuesday. This was his response was I got the email about, your personal problems, but business is business. Stick to this time or else we're going to have to have a serious chat. <laughs> and I remember he sent it to me at 10, 15 at night on Thursday. And I responded back at 10, 17 at night on Thursday. And all I said was, I just refunded your full $8,000. Eat a dick, Jordan. And it wasn't even coming from like an emotional place. It was, oh, you don't respect my personal life or my personal time, which is important to me. Therefore, I don't think you respect me. Also, like some of the, the just the way he phrased that, we're going to have to have a serious talk. Like I'm a child and he's like reprimanding. He's going to give me a lecture. Right. If I, if I have to postpone a meeting, which we all do in the entrepreneurial world, online business world. Right. It seemed like an appropriate response. And I had no idea that I was going to get the type of reaction it got. <laughs> So it, what I love about this is that at 24 years old, right, most of, I mean, even at like 30 something, 40 something, we're all just trying to figure out our shit. And I feel like a lot of times people will sacrifice what they do. Like I've heard crazy freaking, I've, I've seen these crazy stories where people are having babies and they're still working through their meetings and like pushing things aside and, you know, everything else. And here I stand in front of somebody who is, you know, a former, you know, college football player who has his own online business, who does consulting, and he's found a way to manage, to be grounded, to know what's important, to honor what's important. 
and not allow money to get in that 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 way. And I just love to know where do you think that came from? Like the groundedness. Yeah, just like being able just. Most people don't have those strong boundaries put in place and they don't have even the right priorities put in place. And here, not only do you have the right priorities put in place, you like have a strong enough sense of who you are and are so comfortable with like, hey, you know what? Take it, leave it. I really don't care. Like peace out deuces, not a big deal. And in a situation like that, I will say like most normal people be like super apologetic and, you know, giving up of themselves to make sure that somebody else's needs aren't being met. And here you've like drawn a really hard boundary and not only that, but you walked away from it, head held up high and you knew what you needed to do. That's really hard for people. So, I mean, I guess we could talk about like why you think it's so difficult for other people to do that. Yeah. And then where, like, where did you find the strength to be able to do that and not even think twice about it? Like, what actions are you currently doing that allows you to do that with no thought whatsoever? Yeah, I think you just hit it. It's not thinking about it. It's setting up my boundaries ahead of time so that when I meet that, I don't have to think. Because when I think, I will be a little bit more apologetic. I will be a little bit more of something else than what's natural to me. So when I set up my boundaries ahead of time, I don't have to think when that happens. I just do what I know I'm supposed to do because of what I've told myself before. Like the, when people say, you know, the time to, um, you know, the time to build a bomb shelter isn't when you see the mushroom cloud, like do it beforehand. So you just go to safety or you go to what's like, what's now normal to you when it happens. Same thing. Like for you with martial arts, when you're kickboxing, you practice so that if you ever have to do that in real life, you don't really have to think. Instinct kind of takes over. I know that from sports. This, in a way, was kind of like that. But also my, um, my publisher, my, my friend Corey, he was in town visiting me last week, and he said something really awesome for my book as well, where he's like, "You're certain types of people. So like for me, I have more of a dominant personality. I've learned the other side, I've learned the sensitivity. I've learned the the empathy side of really slowing myself down and, and like really absorbing other people as well. But when it's necessary, I know still how to step into that dominant. And he had put it very well when he said, when we're in that space, you're either equal to me or I have to push you below me. So if we can have a mutual respect, and this is where it came from with Jordan, I realized he didn't respect me. And we again, we either have to have mutual respect for one another and each other's personal time and each other's businesses and each other's money and everything. We either have to be equal or I have to start pushing you below me so that I have to teach you a lesson or I have to be harsh with you or I have to do something else. I, I think because those are the only options, again, I, I just don't put any thought into it. I think that stuff is informed by the fact that I've seen so many people do it wrong. I've seen so many, we all hear the stories of like the businessman who pushes his family aside because, hey, I'm making money so that later I can spend time with you guys. That's just not something I'm interested in. That's why I've started doing this at 20, I started my business at 19. That's why I've done it for so, not for so long, for five years already by the age of 24. I've been able to see everybody in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Honestly, I've seen them fuck up for the last five years. So I've been able to learn a lot of lessons from that. I, I, I reference all the time a Berenstein Bears book that my mom and grandma used to read me when I was younger. It's called, I think it's like the, the bicycle ride or how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the father teaching the son how to ride a bike. The son wants to ride it. And the dad's like, nope, you run alongside me. Let me show you how to do it first. And so the dad starts riding the bike. He said, you know, son, here's your first lesson. You do this. He falls off a log. Or he, you know, runs into a mud pit or he runs into quicksand and the son has to save him from every, like, the dad just completely messes up riding a bike. At every turn, the dad's doing something wrong. And at the end of the book, the son has to ride a bike to, like, get the dad up from over a cliff or something like that. And the lesson I got from it was you learn from other people's mistakes. And sometimes that's a better teacher than seeing what people do right. Because I think when you learn a lot from the negative you then go create your own positive as opposed to mimicking somebody else's positive. So I, like, I haven't been able to follow anybody else's path to success because I, 
I don't want their path. I, I want my path. So I've just had to pull from, here's what I don't want to do. That informs what I do want to do. And I think this was a good example of that, where I've seen so many people appease a shitty client and say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'll still take the call. Or, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let's figure it out. That client ends up becoming 10 times more of a headache later on. He's wasted money. I've wasted time. We hate each other. Whatever. <laughs> And right. so this just seemed like it's, it's cutting it off at the, at the root where I'm now saying before we even start engaging with each other, here's your money back, eat a dick, get away from me because I know you're only going to bring in the negative. I know you're only going to be that headache client that nobody wants. I've dealt with them before. I've watched other people deal with them before. I've watched it become disastrous. Let me just say sayonara here. The eat a dick part was only because I realized you just don't respect me. You don't respect, again, the personal thing I was going through. I was going through something very scary at the time. And you completely disregarding it. That's why the eat a dick was necessary in my own head. It, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't mad. It was just, oh, this is maybe what he needs to hear right now. So I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing is your girlfriend. You guys have been together for how long now? A uh, year, year and a few months. Okay. Um, there had to be a level of confidence that she was able to glean off of that once, you know, everything was settled in and, you know, that had happened, right? Like, I'm assuming that was probably like the really first, you know, scenario that all of the shit was going down. And then just that hard stance that you were be able to create for her um, so that you could protect her and everything else. I mean, it just had to do so much for your relationship and the way that she looks at you and the way that you respected her and just knowing that, um, did you find that there was a difference afterwards or? Um, you know? No, I think she's seen it before. She already knows that about me. Well, like even from, uh, I think maybe like the third time we went on a date, somebody almost backed into us in a parking lot and like I punched the back of their car. It, again, I wasn't angry. I had to like pick her up, move her out of the way. And I punched the back of her car and I, I went up to the person in the window. I said, Hey, almost like, I don't yell at people. I don't like yell and cuss at anybody. It was just, hey, you need to know that we're back here. And she said something about, she's like, the look on your face, it was scary because it wasn't angry. It was scary because, like, I, she just, maybe not, maybe it was scary the first time, but now it's become, like, she understands what it means. It's, I'm willing to do anything for people that I care about. And it really doesn't matter what it is. Like, there's no limit to where I'll go when I really believe in something or when I really care about somebody. So I think the Jordan thing was just like a humorous example of what she had already seen over and over again. <laughs> oh man, I'd love to be in the fly on the wall to see what his response was or his initial like reaction to your email. So on the original post, I'll go tag in the original post. People had asked, they're like, what did he respond? The funny thing is he didn't and it's smart because he and I are gonna be at an event together in January. <laughs> We're going to be seeing each other in a few months. Um, can I sign up for this event? This is, <laughs> I'm just going to like come like stand right behind you and be like, hey, are you eating Dick Jordan? Record it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that. No, oh, I can't wait to hear about that afterwards. So when you take a look at what's going on, where do you find that men could be, I mean, not even just men, right? Because women do this too. Like we were both responsible for this. Um, where do you think that people could be better about this or do something different so that it actually gets them into that right trajectory of being able to have those hard boundaries? Because I mean, I know for a lot of us, it takes something really harsh to wake you up. But if there is something that we could do now to start like really understanding how important that is, what would that look like and what would that be? Yeah. I'd say the biggest thing is, again, learn what you don't want. Like you, you can, it's very easy once you become aware of it and once you start looking at other people and how other people operate in personal life and in business, once you start seeing how everybody else operates and you're able to step back and take that objective view, then you're now able to inform yourself and say, okay, I want to take a little piece over here. I like how this guy handles his customer support. I like how this guy handles you know, his, his webinars. I like how this guy handles his family, his finances, his relationships, his whatever. I've had to piece that together. And this is a big part of my book is it's about masculinity and manhood and how I've really had to piece that together from like 30 different sources. 
I didn't have the one specific dad that I learned how to be a man from my father. My dad, again, was kind of that, that example of what not to do in a lot of ways. And so I learned from him in the, the contrary. I, I learned in contrast from him. But I think, again, in life and business, we just start pulling from other people what you want and what you don't want and have the grounding. And part of me, I'm, this is one thing I'm trying to explore is how to assure grounding. Like, how do you create grounding for somebody? A lot of times it's hard experiences and then how you perceive those hard experiences. I'd say the more we can learn from other people, the easier it will be to be grounded and not have to go through some traumatic or some crazy situation in order to attain that. If we can start just really being aware of what's going on around us, when people make bad decisions and the consequences of those bad decisions, you're now able to say, okay, I for sure don't want that for myself. Let's stay away from here. Let's stay away from those situations. So that when, again, a Jordan pops up, I'm able to say, no, 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 I don't even want any, I don't want to even want to step into this thing. Here you go, break it off. Don't even like, don't even do anything with it. I think we see that with relationships as well. I've seen so many people, like so much infidelity with, with friends, with family, like not family, actually. No, just so with friends, with just like my peer group that I don't even allow it into my space. I don't even allow the conversations where even like I've been to a, a lot of different like live events, business events, entrepreneurship events, marketing events. And I have a rule where when, if a woman, this is just in life in general, if a woman doesn't know that I'm in a relationship and she'll try to enter into a conversation that would be, that I would say would be only for people in a relationship or people looking to get intimate in some way, shape or form. If she tries to enter in that conversation, I politely and kindly say, I'm flattered. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm in a relationship. If it persists, I can never speak to that person again. Same thing for a friend of mine. If I know somebody, if I have somebody from back home and I've had it happen before, I live in Arizona now. If I have somebody back from California who knows I'm in a relationship, try to push that boundary, I can never speak to you again. And that's my own personal boundary that I've created because, again, I understand very clearly that you don't respect my relationship. Therefore, you don't respect me enough to respect my relationship. Because I'm able to bring it all back to that, I'm able to set these boundaries where I, I can have a zero tolerance policy because I informed you first. The second time, and it's the same thing in, a, in, you know, in, in an altercation, I'm going to warn you, if you don't heed my warning, you might get hit. It can, it can apply to so many different things. But I think, again, once you're informed about where my boundaries are and you overstep my boundaries there needs to be some sort of consequence. And women can go with the same thing, maybe not physical as much for, for the majority of women. Um, and this is something you're trying to remedy as well as women actually being able to handle themselves in those situations. But when you come up to a man in a dating situation, if your non-negotiable is he has to open my door and he doesn't, you can finish out the night, you can have a pleasant conversation. Don't ever speak to him again. Like I'd say keeping those hard boundaries, if you try it out for a month where you say, here are my wants, here are my needs. If you violate one of my needs, I can never speak to you again. Or you're going to have X happen if you violate one of my needs. If you can carry that around with you for a month, I guarantee your life will change for the positive. I'm fucking smiling, singing in my heart right now. Like I fucking love this. This is so great. Oh, You've hit on so many fucking incredible things. I mean, just for a guy to say that, right? Like, okay, so even before we go into what you just talked about, because what you just talked about was freaking like gospel right there. I'm like, did somebody write this shit down? Like it needs to go in a new Bible verse. <laughs> um, the biggest thing that I heard you say is it's the caliber of people that you allow in your life, mm -hmm. right? It, for me, it, it's a huge hot button, right? I am all about only quality people because I really only want quality problems. Like I am not trying to deal with like that person who's got like multiple girls on the side or whatever else and infidelity issues because there's so much shit to solve in this world right now. Like that is not one of them that I want to solve or get into. Mm -hmm. Right. So huge on the, you know, caliber of people that you allow in your life because it really changes you know, the selection process. Like if you have really good quality people in your life, you are not going to be attracting the wrong person. 
And even if you attract the wrong person, you're surrounded by so many people that you're not allowed to make those shitty decisions over and over again. (laughs) They'll call you on it. Right? Be like, what are you thinking? Like, that is not how we roll, right? Like, that's just not what we do. Mm -hmm. And so that one, huge, only quality people. Um, The other thing is that if you enter into the space and I've warned you, I can never talk to you again. Nobody really does that. Like, I would love to hear from anybody who's listening to this, how, how many people have you heard say, if you try to hit on me and I tell you that I'm in a relationship and you don't respect it, then you're gone. Like, I can't talk to you again, right? For me, and I kind of have a funny story that's similar to this. <laughs> is, of course, this is always, you know, always my, my little thing. I had a guy who reached out to me and I was talking to this guy that I really liked And I hadn't actually even met him yet, right? But I knew that this was a guy that I wanted to go and hang out with. And I hadn't, I mean, I didn't really know solidly, but it was funny because this guy, this other guy just kept reaching out to me, kept reaching out to me. It was like this Facebook thing. And I'm like, hey, look, there's this guy that I really like. And I'm pretty sure he's the guy that I really want to be with. And I just need you to understand that like these conversations aren't okay. And he was like, oh, but we're just flirting. It's just fun. And I'm like, actually, it's not. Nope. Like, it's not okay. I'm like, I just clearly told you you're going to love the next part. I was like, I just clearly told you that I'm really interested in somebody else and to respectfully back down. Like, in so many nice ways, because I'm a very articulate person. Like, if I want to lay you down, you're going to, like, get laid down and it's going to feel like somebody just gave you a teddy bear, but you know you're getting out. Yeah. Right? And then it got to the point where he started sending me pictures of himself. And I was like, all right, dude. So it was delete, block, and whatever else. And the best kicker to this, he was a coach. Guess what kind of coach he was? Ugh, relationship coach. (laughs) I was like, your business might be doing okay for right now, but those values are not going to be lined up and there's going to be issues there. So good luck with that one. Good luck being a relationship coach, pushing other people's fucking boundaries. That's so annoying to me. It's like, so same thing with race. I tell people all the time, do not make me look bad just because I look like you or do not make me look bad just because I'm in the same industry as you. When you fuck up as a relationship coach, when you're an asshole, you make everybody in that space look bad. Same thing with race, same thing with whatever else. I know walking into a room, I have certain judgments and stereotypes on me that people are trying to attach to me. I'm six foot six, I'm covered in tattoos. I'm a big brown dude. To them, I'm a big black dude. (laughs) As I understand this, I now have to say, all right, I got to fight my way up to zero. And it's any room I ever walk into. And it's just honest. I don't have a negative view of it, honestly. It's just... It's actually why I've succeeded at a lot of things because I go past zero. If I have momentum at zero, I'm doing really good. So that, I think that's where people really misconstrue when you have like a perceived, um, you know, deck stacked against you situation. Most people are starting at zero or most people are starting at 10 or something like that. When you start at negative 50, by the time you get to zero, you're at full speed. Keep going you're going to outpace everybody else. I talk about it like when I'll go into a marketing room or like a marketing event, if I look like this and everybody else is the five foot 10 white guy with the same polo shirt or the same button up with the same exact tie, the khakis and the boat shoes, (laughs) because I look like this, as soon as I open my mouth and I go from that negative to that positive, I know I have momentum. I know I win that room. And honestly, that's how I see it. It's my competitive side. I know I won the attention of the people in that room because I break those stereotypes first. Then I can go show, here's my genuine, like, here's who I actually am. After I've dealt with, I know you think I may not speak like I do. I know you may not think these certain things. I break those in the first 30 seconds of interacting with somebody. And then I just project from there. And I don't see a whole lot of people taking it that way. I see a whole lot of people taking a perceived negative of I'm a woman in a room full of men. You guys are superheroes in that room. And a lot of women don't understand it. You don't get every dude in that room wants to impress you in some way, shape or form. Every man in there wants to impress you 
when, while you're in there trying to compete with them. And this is, we talked about a little bit last time of the women who step a little bit too far into the masculine and what happens and how, just how it negatively affects their lives when they have to be too far into it and they start adopting the role like they're a man. Again, this, and I, I'm very clear with this in my book. I'm, I try to be very clear with this whenever I talk about it. My messaging and, and my worldview is not for people who believe that men and women are the exact same. If you believe men and women are the exact same, I would say, turn this off. Because <laughs> it's not for you. Right. Because we understand we're different, use your differences to your strengths. That's maybe the basic message. But again, with those guys like that, they make us all look bad. A guy who's an asshole like that, you make all of us, because he put a little tick in your head that says, oh, there's another one. There's another asshole trying to do whatever. And because women experience that so many times, and now with online dating, imagine how many assholes a random girl on, on Tinder runs into in a day. We're now all as men losing points with those women. It takes certain men to start winning those points back. When you have an interaction with me, I know I'm winning points back for men. Oh, I love that. I love what you just said, too, because it really goes back to somebody put something in your head and now you've created this story, right? Mm -hmm. And what you do with that story is critical to how you see things. Um, in terms of reinforcing that story. So if you feel like, hey, you know what, I'm in a room full of guys and I'm competing, you're literally telling yourself that you have to compete. So you're doing these things to compete versus walking in a room and saying, hey, there's a room full of guys and I'm dominating because I'm the only woman in here. Or, you know, I've got a skill set that I know nobody else has. And then you're going to continue to reinforce that story with the way that you talk, the way that you act, the way that you behave, the way that you feel, and just the way that you show up and how people receive that energy, right? And so that's huge. Um, but to talk about like dating, right? Transitioning over into this space here. I know that the last time that we spoke, we were talking about a 24, 26 something year old and then a 34, 36 year old. Um, and I thought it was hilarious because from a single mom who is in this space currently, and I wouldn't say like I'm actively in this space, but I'm definitely in the space um, and not dating like the younger ones. But the things that you were telling me about how men perceive what they should be doing versus what women perceive should be happening was really funny. So would you mind telling us the story about your friends on your post? Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it's two friends who got connected on Facebook. We all became friends kind of around the same time. And then they kind of took off. They were flirting a little bit. You could tell like on statuses, they were flirting back and forth. And I think I ended up asking one of them. I was like, dude, are you? It's something going on. And they both kind of skirted around it, but definitely yes. And so she's, yeah, she's 32. He's 26, I believe. And I'd explained to him beforehand because he was like really into her. I said, look, women in their 30s expect different things than women in their 20s. The, the biological clock, whatever you want to call it, there's certain expectations that are higher and different than what we're used to. And I said, make sure you're prepared for that before you guys <laughs> do anything in person, before you guys go visit each other, before any of that happens. Make sure you know what the expectations are of you and that you can fulfill those. Because if you don't, it's disastrous. <laughs> I don't think you listen very much. <laughs> <laughs> he invited her to come out and stay with him. And he lives like, I mean, this was a cross the country trip. Like she went three quarters of the way across the country to go visit him. And they'd planned like four or five days together. She gets there. Things aren't set up. The Airbnb wasn't set up correctly. Something had fallen through. They didn't have a refrigerator. There was, a, there was just, it was a series of unfortunate events, but I don't think it was the events themselves. It was how he didn't, to her expectation, he didn't handle them in the way that she would have liked or as quickly as she would have liked or as seamlessly as she would have liked. Because of that, over the first like two days of them being together, it, it just, and I, I tell guys this all the time, as soon as she has to step into her masculine role with you, you lost especially at the beginning of something because you have no, you don't have that positive rapport built up to like get the benefit of the doubt. She might for the first few times, 
But as soon as, so she, he'd asked her what she wanted to do for the first night. And she said, oh, I want to go do something fun. 26-year-old brings over a bag of weed and wants to smoke, and that's fun. 32-year-old grown businesswoman kind of looks at you like, are you, oh, I guess. <laughs> I was thinking like, I don't know, go out dancing or go out to a, you know, a nice restaurant. But again, benefit of the doubt, maybe it's just his thing, whatever. I think by like the second day was when I got a phone call from him saying, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm freaking out right now. She's not into it. I don't know what's happening. Help. Because I guess he had gone back to his house and like it, he had some time to call me. Soon as he and I hang up, or I think it was while we were on the phone, she starts trying to call me. And so I was like, I, I made up some excuses. Like, hey, I got to go. I got to do whatever. <laughs> I made a phone call. And she's like, Kyrie, this is a disaster. He didn't have anything set up. This is what happened. X, Y, Z. And so I'm now in the middle and I'm having to play both sides. And I told them both from the beginning of when they said they were flirting, whatever. I said, I want to support as much as I can without interfering. And that's a very difficult balance. And I've messed it up before, but I've also done it correctly before where I want to support both of you without interfering with either, like with your guys' interactions with one another. So mm -hmm. for her, it was, okay, did you try to understand? Did you do everything you could to allow him to keep his masculine role? The answer was very much yes. And so I said, you got you to gotta take it from here. If you don't believe he's capable, because really it goes back to a primal thing of, if I don't feel protected and secure around you, we're going to die. Now, <laughs> it's not that serious now. It's a lot more, if I don't feel protected and secure around you, we're just not, I, I'm not going to be sexually attracted to you. I'm not going to want to date you. I'm not going to want to be out in public with you because there could be danger. I don't trust your ability in a certain way, even if the intent is there. Because there's a lot of nice guys who cannot help you in any way, shape, or form, whether it's financially, you know, security in a relationship, protection from, you know, outside influence. Once you lose that role to a woman who's looking for that, you lost your, and I told him, I was like, you're now little brother. You're now the kid she's hanging out with. You're not, you, you don't have the masculine role anymore. And it's coming along with problems. And I told him, I was like, you may just need to like chalk it up as this is a disaster. Let her get her own Airbnb, which is what she did. She's like, I'm just going to go stay in my own place. I'm going to have a fun weekend. If I see you, I see you. If I don't, whatever. And he was, he was kind of freaking out about it. Cause that's a, that's a sad thing where she comes out just to visit you. And by the third day, she's like, I don't really want to hang out with you anymore. And they'd had six months of like building a relationship online. This was just like the, okay, now let's test it out in real life and it falls apart. But again, it's because you don't realize the other person's expectations. I don't think he took himself outside. And what is a woman who has this life, who's 32, who's been in business, who's done these things, what is she going to expect of me? His thing was, oh, wow, I really like her. She's really hot. She's coming out to visit me. We're going to have so much fun. That was it. I think it was more of the fun without bringing in the responsibility. Your role, same thing with women, and I don't understand as much of, uh, obviously, the women's roles. I understand more of what you guys expect of us. Because you understand she expects that of you, if you don't step into that role, everything's going to fall apart. He didn't step into the role. Everything fell apart. It was a good lesson for both of them because now she's, I need to expect more on the front end. I need to make sure this person can fulfill these things before I take it to a certain step. For him, it's, I need to make sure I have these things set up. I need to make sure I understand her expectations. I need to make sure I fulfill those expectations. So I think it ended up being a positive at the end of it. It was just a very rocky and rough path to that positive. Did they stay dating? No, not even close. <laughs> I don't think they speak to each other now. <laughs> See you on your Facebook post and you're like, shit, he's commenting. Oh, she's commenting. I, don't even know. I think they're just, I don't think they blocked each other, but I think they're unfriended for sure. So they can probably, yeah, they can probably see each other commenting on my stuff, but <laughs> as long as my statuses don't turn into a battleground, I'm good. <laughs> the crazy things. It's, it's funny that um, you have been able to do the whole love connection thing on, on just your post too. 
Um, because I've had that experience happen too. Actually, I put up a post about dating and it was really cute to see people connecting. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome that people can engage and connect with one another and really be aligned with what they're um, thinking or feeling. Um, What is interesting about what you said in terms of expectations for men and expectations for women is that we just aren't very clear. We're not very good about expressing what we want to have happen and how, and not even just expressing it, but like not being chicken shit to say, Hey, this is kind of what I need. Like this is absolutely what I need. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Cause it's, it sometimes it's crunchy. It doesn't feel good to tell. I think a lot of women go with the, I don't want to have to tell him what I want. I just want him to pick up on it. I just want him to know we're, we're dumb animals. As like for the most part with men, unless I've put forth a concerted effort to understand women, which I have, and I still get confused a lot of the times. <laughs> if you haven't even put forth like years of concerted effort of, I want to understand the women's perspective. If I haven't done that, I have no way of understanding your implicit rules or like your requirements or expectations. You have to tell most men explicitly, here's what I need from you. And you can package it in a way that it will be like well-received. And it's always a dance. It's always a balance. It's always a, hey, here's, my, here's something I need from you or here's something I want from you. Here's something that will make me feel more fulfilled. You can always put it in a way that will be well-received. The only annoying part is it's usually implicit, implicit, implicit until it explodes. Mm-hmm. Then you're explicit, but you're angry. As opposed to being explicit, but peaceful and kind and compassionate on the front end, a lot of times women will wait. And, and this is kind of happening on a grand scale right now where women have waited and held their tongues and now it's exploding and now women are angry and explicit, which is now in, in a large scale, I think it's bringing men better, the ones who are receptive to it. The men who really need to hear it are more turned off than ever. I think that's a scary thing right now. Go ahead. So it's interesting that you say that. I have a few different thoughts on that one. And you know, as I've explored this space a little bit more, like actually getting in touch with my feminine side um, and understanding like why I haven't spoken up about certain things or really been an advocate or drawn some really strong boundaries. I feel like women in general have been taught to not speak up, Mm -hmm. right? And the way that we've been taught, it's not like, oh, don't say your truth or whatever else. It's literally when you bring something up, there's not a lesson that we've learned. I mean, we constantly evolve as human beings and these conversations that we're having, I feel have been changing the way that we interact with each other. But I think for the longest time, it wasn't a conversation that we could even have. And the moment that we would speak something and we see that somebody's ego is crumbling or something of the sort, it's not being able to create a safe enough space where we can articulate what we need or what we want without having reprimand of our own from the backlash of actually speaking up. So in a sense, conditioning to not speak up, to not say the things that we need to, and not because we want it to be implicit. It's just, how do we do that and protect the male ego? Exactly. Yep. Right? I think, it, I think it all comes from a misunderstanding. Right. It comes from, and I know what I want, but I'm not quite sure what they want, but I know what I've been told they want by movies, by TV, by whatever. And, that, and that's part of the conditioning. Right. Where it's the man's job to make you feel secure and protected. Also with your words, I, and this is a big part of my book, real masculinity is holding space for women as well. Real masculinity is making you feel like you can tell me the difficult things that you don't want to say sometimes because you have to protect my ego. If I'm in control of my ego, and and I talk about it all the time, enslaving your ego, making that thing your bitch, you're like, most of us are enslaved by our ego. It, It just like, it takes over. It's a shitty master, but it's an amazing slave because you get to employ it when you want to. You get to say, my ego now is able to step in. Same thing with the, with the Jordan stuff. My ego now can step in and say what I want to say to you because I I, I'm not trying to protect your feelings anymore, Jordan. Like That's when I say, ego, go ahead, do your job. Or somebody <laughs> almost backs into us with a car, go, ego, do your job. When somebody you know, threatens somebody I'm, I care about or threatens my business or does something you know, that, that in, intrudes on my bubble, ego, go do your job. Until that point, let me save space for other people. 
especially the woman you're with, especially just any woman who wants to say whatever she wants to say, let me hold space. Let me make it so very apparent to you that you're allowed to say whatever you want to say to me with no repercussion, that it's just a natural thing to you now. It doesn't come with the crunchiness. It doesn't come with the hesitation or you're able to just say it because you know I love and respect you enough to receive it well and to receive and to like receive your intent, not just what you're saying. So true. So good. The holding space for women, it is equally, if not more important that women are able to hold space for men. If you want that true peace to come out and what I've learned is it's hard for men to be able to get into their feelings and to feel comfortable enough and safe enough. So, you know, where men are our protectors and naturally wear that protector hat, right? Cause that's the way men are built. Mm-hmm. Um, women have to create a safe space for those men to be able to come and put their head down, yep. right? To be able to say, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And to make sure that not only are we listening, but we're receiving it and allowing men to just be, um, there's so much in you know the fight or flight and the performance and the needing to be able to be strong all the time. And it's the inability to connect with those feelings and to acknowledge them when they're uncomfortable that creates that harsh communication. Yeah. Again, I think it's going against that conditioning. Men are conditioned, don't cry, don't be a bitch, don't be a pussy, don't do whatever. We're... It takes really a breaking out of that shell and saying, hey, look, I can be very in touch with my emotions. I can also take your face off if I need to. And why, why can't we have both? Because this is a humongous thing where we have one or the other. We have the hypermasculine, which I'm trying to redefine as, a, as toxic beta bitch. If you're the over-the-top, overbearing, you're you know, mistreating women, mistreating yourself, you're, you're harmful in a very aggressive way, you're the same toxic as the beta type guys you talk about or that you talk shit about sometimes. Same thing on the other end. When you're the meek, the I'm just going to let things happen to me, you're just as toxic as those over-the-top men. You're not as outwardly violent. You're not as outwardly, it's not as apparent. But my argument in my book is that you're just as toxic as them because I think a lot of those men on, on that lower end of the spectrum they turn into the snakes. They turn into the, I, I talk about it all the time, trying to bait your way into women's panties. I'm going to appease you as a woman. I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, even though I don't believe it. I'm just going to tell you what I know you want to hear. I'm going to be the antithesis of those over-the-top rah-rah guys because I know you're tired of them. So let me pretend to be the opposite in order to get in a relationship or a lot of times just in order to get you into bed or to get your attention. I'm going to f- sound like I'm soft and that I'm accepting and that I'm one with the universe and one with my own emotions and my own feelings. It, it, often it comes off as snaky. I think the real answer is a balance. The real answer is let me be in touch, but also let me be this when I need to be. And I'm really trying to get people closer to the middle, closer to the I'm not the snake, but I'm also not the bull. Let me be the, the true, honest masculine. Let me be the true, honest alpha who can accept and understand and find a balance between both sides. It's so huge. I can't even agree with you more on that last piece. Like the guys, I mean, obviously being a really strong alpha female, mm-hmm. the, I naturally attract the ones that I need to take care of. Yes. I don't, it sucks, but it is what it is, right? And so it's funny to me because as those guys are trying to woo me, but they're a little bit too on the feminine side, it, it's really a balance of like, when do you insert masculinity? Like, I'm not even gonna lie. I want to be the person that gets put in check when I need to be put in check. And I need somebody who's going to be able to step up to me and say, hey, you know what? You're acting a fool. Like, sit the fuck down, mm-hmm. right? Take a time out, breathe, do whatever. And like, I got you on this. Like, that would be huge. But the challenge is, is that that's not what happens, is that I get these guys that are intimidated, that are meek, demure, and I'm like, this is weird, right? And then on top of that, it's like having to force people to communicate because they can't articulate their feelings because they're too worried about what I'm going to say about mine. And like, 
feeling overshadowed or overpowered. And then on top of that, like there's a lot of like the infidelity that goes on with some of those guys because they're not really telling you what they want or what they need. Exactly. I mean, there's like a whole list of things that go on there. But the biggest one is that creating a generation of men that are not only know when to insert ego and then also knowing when to insert their feelings and really being able to be in touch with that and having a good balance because just as a woman, like there's times when I have to be in overdrive and I have to go, you know, get in a ring or whatever, or I have to go and be a mom and like be gentle and be nurturing. And those are two very different roles, but there is definitely a time. And especially as a single mom, there's some times when I'm going to need to pull some people out from their car and be like, you almost ran over my kid. Right. And that's okay too, but it, it's, it's a balance for both men and women. And it's, it's interesting to see how much it's evolved. And why can't you be both? I'm hoping that's the new narrative is it's okay to be both. Right. It's okay to, especially, and like you said, especially for a woman in her alpha role, most of those women go for the more meek, demure man because the masculine wants to protect. The women who are in those alpha roles often overstep their masculine to where they attract them and they need to protect, as opposed to attracting a man that can handle her alpha, that can handle her masculine. Because usually when she's held space, when you feel protected, you start getting more into your feminine because there's space for it. Women will only occupy the amount of masculine that they have to, I think, or that they feel they have to. I think that's the natural inclination is, I want to be in my feminine. I want to be this. I'm only going to adopt the amount of masculine that you're lacking as a man. And I think that, I think as 24 year old Kyrie, I think that that's the thing that goes on is women do it out of necessity, out of he's not going to protect me, so I have to protect myself. There's often a history of domestic violence, whether it's their father, their brother, uh, a man that they used to be married to or date. There's been some men or a chain of men who have shown them that they're not going to be protected by men. You've now had to have that shell built around you, that barrier, that wall, that wall of masculinity, that wall of alpha that a lot of women have to adopt. I know a very, very powerful woman who's close, like another mom to me, who has been through so much abuse from men where she's now the man in every single relationship she's been in since I've met her. She's now the man. She's employed every single show. I think she's had like four or five boyfriends since I met her a year ago. And she's been the man in that relationship. She's employed every single one of them. She's bought them the gifts. She's taken them out to dinner. She's bought them the flowers. Like she's attracted men who are very big, who are very large, who look like powerful roles that she's been able to baby and that she's been able to protect. I don't think that's on purpose. I think that's what she's been forced to do because of her previous engagements with men. When you meet a man who can say, I understand this has happened to you. I can hold space for you. I can protect you. But I can also tell you when you're overstepping. Like you said, you want to be able to be told that you're overstepping sometimes. You want to be able to be told, hey, it's okay to break down a little bit. It's okay to not have a good day. It's okay to whatever is there for that to be valid, a man who can hold space for that and make you feel protected, that's the man that a woman who stepped into her masculine or who's, who's the more alpha woman, that's the type of man I believe they need. You want to go more masculine. You don't want to go towards the meek. But again, we also have to reframe what masculine is. Masculine is not the rah-rah. Masculine is the I can get shit done but I can also hold space for things to be done, if that makes sense. It does. It's interesting what I've found, and I know that we're coming short on time here, which sucks because I could talk about this forever. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've found is, you know, I've been running a lot and just finding clarity is I'm finding that people need to fall in love with themselves. Yes. Um, like really fall in love with themselves because a lot of the things that I've seen in my like short time being single is that people end up wanting you to fix them or they want to love you or they want to do these things for you without really knowing that they haven't put themselves in check first, right? Like doing the work, like 
when you talk about your female friend that has been the masculine, that has been buying the flowers and the gifts and whatever else, there's some work. Like when you say that to me, I'm like, there's some work that needs to be done in the sense of like, what has, you know, what's the story that you're reinforcing yourself to continuously choose these men, mm-hmm. right? And even for like the guys that have been trying to come talk to me, it's like, okay, you just got really angry with me, but that has nothing to do with me. I didn't, you know, do anything to receive all of that negativity negativity or like thought process. I'm like, that. those are the issues that you've had before you walked into this room to sit down yeah, with me. Exactly. It's your baggage. Right. And it's okay to have baggage, right? And this is one of the things that I said the other day. I was like, it's okay to have baggage. It's okay to understand that it's there, but it's not okay to take your baggage and to insert here. Mm-hmm. Like, don't take your baggage and lash out on me because of the shit that you've dealt with before as a man or as any adult human being in an adult relationship. Like, your job is to understand what your shit is and to know where you are and how that shit does not apply to this scenario. You are not your shit. Exactly. sentiment there. It's, it can exist. You can acknowledge it, but you don't have to be it. Right. So... Yeah, you just you don't have to attach it to yourself at all times. And I like what you said about the you have to fall in love with yourself, but you have to fall in love with all of yourself. Exactly. You have like, to acknowledge the shit that I, I want. I have to acknowledge the shit I want to change about myself. The acknowledgement is what allows me to change it. It's what allows me to actually do something about it. It's what allows me to not just sit there and be like, oh, I guess this is how it is forever now. Like, fall in love with the shit that you hate about yourself. And, and honestly, like... It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot, but it'll serve your next person so much better when you actually do that work. Let me build myself up for the next person. I just told a friend this. She like just had to break up with her boyfriend. She's like, I'm just starting this new, like she's doing coaching now. She's a personal trainer. She's like going through this whole new phase of her life. And I said, look, you work on you for the next like six to 12 months. Don't even focus on dudes. Don't even focus on dating literally love that new level of yourself because you're going to attract, once you hit that level, you're going to attract a level of man that you don't even know exists yet. The type of men, the pool of men that you're pulling from right now or who you're attracting right now are a reflection of how much internal work you've done. When you do more of the internal work, you start attracting the guy that you didn't think existed anymore or that you didn't think was going to be out there for you because all the good ones are taken. They're not all taken. They're just at that upper level that you haven't worked towards yet. Get yourself to that level and you get that reward. You get that prize once you do the work. Amen to that. Seriously. I remember when I first became single, my best friend was like, you just need to be single. You just need to be single. And like every stupid person does when they're trying to escape pain, right? They jump into another relationship. Casually date. You know, it's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'll be fine. There's nothing there. I'm like, and you know, looking back at it now, I'm like, okay, well, I get where I made my mistake. And I remember when I was speaking to one of my, this one guy that I was dating, he happened to be a divorce attorney. Fucking hilarious. He was like, you got about two and a half more years. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, I'm totally fine. And I'm like, oh, nope, two and a half years to the penny. <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready to date. But I know. And it sucks when somebody tells you that because then you're just rebelling. You're like, no, I'm totally healed. I'm totally fine. Yep. But going to the part of like loving yourself and accepting all the things, like I have been preaching that message like left and right. I'm like, you know, and especially as an Asian person, right? As an Asian person, you are to reject your weakness. Wait, you're Asian? (laughs) I know, right? Crazy. That was a last name. (laughs) Who would have thought? Bow, 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 bow. (laughs) (laughs) But you're, you're totally taught to reject all of those ugly things, not even acknowledge that it exists, right? So you're sitting there and you're like, there's that, and I mean, you definitely have your split of Asian dorky people where they're like super geeks and they're, they don't even know how to like deal with it, right? And it's just like, man, the moment that you can embrace that awkwardness and like, no, like even for women, just like embracing where they're currently at physically, I think that's such a huge thing. Um, because you want to compare, not even with other people, but the way that you look like before, the way you were before. And it's not about that. It's about embracing who you are right now and honoring the fucking shit that you've been through so that you could be in love with yourself today. Like, what are you going to wake up and do to love yourself today so that you can be the best person, so that you can be unfuckwithable, right? So that 
you can attract the partner that you want or that you can maintain that partner and then elevate it to another level. But if you can't look at yourself and love yourself and say, hey, I'm in love with you, that chick in the mirror or that dude in the mirror, you really don't need to be in a relationship because if you can't honor yourself enough, what the fuck do you think you're going to do for somebody else? So when, when I started speaking, when I started just getting into personal development, I created my first company called Hero in the Mirror because of exactly that. When you start wanting to fall in love with that person in the mirror and you realize nobody else is going to save you from your old shit and you have to save yourself from that old shit, you have to become your own hero. That's exactly the concept I created because your hero only exists in the mirror. That's the only place this person is, is you right now, where you're at. Deal with that shit and everything else starts to figure itself out. I love that you put that in there because like I've had to, I've held that concept for the last five years. I haven't done a whole lot like with it. I haven't spoken as much, but that's the main sentiment is like, get to know your fucking self. We're, we're so big on running from ourselves and distracting us from ourselves. Get to know that person so that you can make them better. I don't think you can make them better while ignoring them. That doesn't, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> where is it? Your attention flows where your energy goes? What, one of those. I don't know which one. <laughs> but basically, you're going to attract what you want to attract or what you focus on. It's going to start happening. You have to start getting it to happen. You have to sit down and really address yourself. Because most people, if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you haven't really addressed yourself, depending on how old you are, sometimes in a good like decade or two. You haven't really sat down and said, okay, who's this person? What do they need? What do they need differently? What do they want more of? What do they want less of? What do I need to do for this person that I'm staring at in the mirror right now? Most people cannot do that because of how distracted we are or because of how much we don't want (laughs) to realize that we have to. Right. Amen. So I know that we're out of time. Like we're probably even 15 minutes past time, but I had so much fun talking to you. Man, we just sit here and talk forever, but... When you think about the dating world or just even in the relationship world, what are one of the things that you wish people would do more often? Um, In between relationships, really up-leveling every time. I just told a friend, I was talking to a friend about this last night, where it was like with my ex, she didn't have a whole lot of baggage, but she also didn't have a whole lot of experience. Like, because I've had just a lot of, I mean, great things, but also like really traumatic things happen at a very young age, I have different life experiences. I have different, like, just views on everything than most people. I was dating somebody who had never really experienced difficulty because I understood that as soon as that relationship ended. So I'm 100% in the relationship when I'm in the relationship. As soon as it's over, my energy then shifts. My energy now has to shift to, I know what part, what, what I know my responsibilities in it not working. I also know what I need to look more for later, which is I need somebody who's had experiences, somebody who's not maybe married to those negative experiences, but somebody who's had them and had to actually work through the shit. Because of that, I've attracted like my girlfriend now, she's been through difficulty. She understands hardship. She understands how to man, like navigate difficult things better than the one before because that uh, that's something I, I really noticed that I needed. Even moving forward, if this relationship wasn't to work out, I now know certain things from this relationship that I cannot carry into the next one. And I think it's a constant iteration until you find the person that you're, that you're cool with, okay? They don't have these gigantic glaring issues that we can't handle together. As soon as you remove all those glaring issues, that's the person you marry. That, and as long as you get like that level of connection, that's the person you say, okay, now I want to go further with. Everybody until then should be a group of lessons, a group of great lessons, but don't carry the last one into the next one because you're now going to be learning the same lesson over and over again until you get it. I think that's how the world works. It's going to keep showing you the same shit till you get over that piece of shit to the next one. And it'll like, there's more challenges beyond this. Imagine now, this is a scary part. Imagine the people who have been dating and learning the same lesson for 10, 20 years because they haven't figured it out yet. 
that's a very sad existence. That's a sad place that I don't want to be in. So now anybody who's listening to this, now that you know better, now it's time to go do better. It's a challenge. It sucks sometimes. But if you start thinking about, all right, the last three guys kind of had the same problem. It may be <laughs> fucking up a little bit, but that's okay because now go do better. Amen. Amen to that. Level up in between relationships. Take the time to do you, to know you. You have preached so many incredible things in this episode. I'm so excited for people to listen to this. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on again. We're going to have to do a bunch more. (laughs) Oh my God, are we ever? This is going to be fun. But yes, thank you so much for stopping by. And then also I will definitely put a place for people to connect with you on Facebook and on Instagram. And I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on what they thought about this episode as well. I love this guy. I love what he stands for. I love his thought process, his eagerness to learning and being open. If you want to connect with Kyrie too, you can find him on Facebook, Kyrie Oliver, or on Instagram at Kyrie.Oliver. I wanted to interview Kyrie because he's living proof that the younger generation does have our back. I love that he exudes such healthy masculine energy and can be a little hood while being thoughtful and articulate. He's such an incredible example of a great man and the thought process he has is bar none. Exploring my own boundaries, I used to be the person that would say yes to everything. It took a lot to learn how to say no. Saying yes was a huge correlation to my own trauma. I never realized that it was my need for people pleasing and the need for people pleasing came from how I allowed my trauma to continue to play itself out. Being sexually traumatized as a kid, the only way I knew how to survive was trying to be good and perfect. The badass and the good girl kept fighting, and it was so confusing. I had some major inner conflicts with this. I didn't know I could say no and still be safe or protected. I finally was able to rewire that by continuous effort. What's amazing to me is when people haven't experienced trauma and they are super healthy, they're like, why didn't you just say no? Or why did you let them talk to you that way? It's a conditioning from trauma that still exists that needs to be revisited and understood to be redefined. That's why. Learning how to say no the first time or setting and establishing boundaries will be met with resistance by others and yourself at first. But it is so important to start and to continue to reinforce them. The automaticity here is important because every time a boundary gets reinforced, you're telling your entire being what you really want and it becomes clearer and clearer each time. That's real visualization. My hope is that you found this episode helpful. Maybe you'll take the time to look at your current boundaries and see if something needs to be reevaluated and or reestablished, as well as having a better glimpse into your own masculine and feminine energy so that you can step into the power you need at the right time. If you found this episode to be helpful, please help this new girl out. Subscribe to Trauma to Triumph in iTunes and leave me a review. If you want to connect even further, come to my site, which is kimbao.co, K-I-M-B-A-O dot C-O, co, not com, and drop me a question or let me know what resonated. There's always room to improve and would love to hear the feedback you have for me and to be able to connect. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, your insight, your willingness to hear another perspective, to add to your arsenal of amazing tools you already have. Enjoy right now, and we'll see you at the next episode. Much love.